All right, here we are. We got you on finally. <laughs> I know it's a long time. I know, man. I've been excited for this. I, I mean, know. don't get me wrong. I'm excited for every podcast I do, right? Yeah. But I've been excited to have you on because you're fun. You're an interesting guy. Yeah, and we get to be in person, right? Which is so nice. I know. My last couple guest episodes obviously have had to be through Skype, which is really sad. But there's something else. There's something different about being able to sit down with somebody, have a nice little glass yeah, of little bourbon, bourbon. Cheers, little cheers, man. Absolutely. Be able to enjoy it. I know. It's been really weird um, just working, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, here in just a second, but like everyone's wearing masks, and literally the other day, walking into work, some, you know, outside, the guy, there's a guy I work with that didn't have his mask on, and I was like, that's what you look like. <laughs> I've never seen you from the eyes down. That never. Is so it blew weird. me away. <laughs> that is so weird. I haven't, I haven't. I haven't had to deal with that yet. Yeah, that's I did. Weird. I did a double take, and he just like gave me the weirdest side eye. Like I was like checking him out or right, something weird. Right. I was like, no, dude. I, was, <laughs> I just literally don't have never like. seen you without a mask on. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> it really is weird to think about the like. I would have never thought about the fact that like there's so many people that I've seen now, and I have no yeah. idea what they actually look like because they have a face mask. On. I know. That is weird. So, all right, who is JT? I, so or I'm JT. I affectionately <laughs> call you G. G. That's right. That's right. Uh, I'm JT Brittingham. I grew up here in Columbia, just down the street in Lexington. Um, I work in, as a quality assurance supervisor for a local pharmaceutical corporation here. Um, went to school, Furman. Mm, go go Paladins. That's right. Go Dens, as <laughs> go they say. Go you. That's right. <laughs> yes, we have quite quite the fun. The Furman University Christian Knights. Right? <laughs> That's a myth, okay, according to Furman policy. So <laughs> I'm required to say by law is not the Furman University Christian Knights. That's right. <laughs> We're the paladins. That's right. Cool. So what did you study at Furman? So I so Furman um actually kind of unique. Well not unique, but it's a liberal arts. So um I did the pre-med tract, but you can major in whatever the heck you want. So there's like hmm. pre-med tract, which is just like a list of courses that you have to be pre-med, but then you can major in Music. We had music majors um, mm. in the pre-med, and then I was a biology major because that's just easy. Because yeah, oh, we biology, had biology yeah. courses, easy. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't have biology to double dip. So easy. <laughs> Which is really funny because the music uh, Furman's really known for their music program, and so like mm. having a music in pre-med is just like those Dude's people are insane. Yeah, because <laughs> they yeah. just like have no life. They yeah. just practicing or studying well uh for class. I'm for, we're fortunate in this world for people like you that say that something like biology is easy because i am serious when i say i mean i was obvious i was nowhere close to science i was in, i was i mean i have a bachelor of science right right but it, i was in business right <laughs> yeah. so uh i had to take two science courses in college i was required yeah. to have two to graduate yeah. and one of them was online astronomy and the other one was <laughs> cultural geology Ooh. I still couldn't tell. You. I have no idea what that meant. I, I, yeah, I was like, it was, that sounds interesting. We yeah. walked in the first day and the guy was like, all right, so I'm here being paid as a researcher and I don't want to be teaching a class, but I have to. So we're going to have four quizzes throughout the semester. You can drop one. This is going to be the easiest class you take in college. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Yes. That's exactly what I need in a science course. Oh, I know. So uh, biology. Why, why did you want to go into biology? So from uh, probably high school, I had an interest in the medical field. So I did um, a class in, at Lexington High School and where you could actually take the class. And at the end of it, you would come out with your CNA, your nursing assistant. Oh, cool. And so um, 
got to even work in uh, a doctor's office for like a week or two. And then we took um, care of completely dependent patients for several weeks at a nursing home, huh. which was really fascinating yeah. and very sad. Yeah. I mean, um, these are people that like, they can't dress themselves. They can't feed themselves. Um, that has to be an incredible experience though for, especially yeah, a it really was. And, um, we, it was, it was sad because like the, our, our teacher told us, um, that we would give them the most attention Yeah, that they would see mm-hmm. all year. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's not, I'm not trying to like slam the workers there because they have, they have to take care of so many people. Right. And, a lot of them are day. completely dependent, right? So, right. which takes a lot of work and a lot of attention, right? And so, um, so it was sad. I mean, it really was, and then it really resonated. I had my uh, grandmother uh, had dementia and ended up being in a nursing home, and so it just like brought me back yeah. as an adult. Yeah. Um, and so, and it, we were thankful that we were local and could go visit her often, right? Which is that was also another sad part. It's like, that's pretty rare sometimes. Right. It really is. Yeah. It's, a lot of people just put their parents in a nursing home and then never see them. You yeah. Know? And it it's really, really is awful. Yeah. It really is awful. I think that what, that's one of the, there are a lot of parts of our society that are not great, mm-hmm. but I think that one of them is our lack of care for elderly people. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely awful. It yeah. really is. And I mean, there's a lot of developed countries like that now. I mean, yeah. there are some countries that are pushing towards, um, you know, voluntary euthanasia and stuff mm. like that. And um, a lot of it is so that if you do get old enough or, you know, you don't have any family or anybody around you, you have the opportunity to choose to just, right. you know, have assisted suicide. Right. Um, and that's absolutely, absolutely yeah. horrible. Thankfully, we're not at that point in the United States, but elderly yeah. care in the United States is absolutely abhorrent. It's yeah. really terrible. Yeah. But so cool. So I guess that experience, you've always been kind of interested right. in the medical field. Right. That pushes you to go major in biology. Biology, right? pre-med. Um, and then, so I didn't make the grades to go to, med, like be competitive to go to med school. So that was, you know, junior year, talking to my counselor. I didn't make bad grades. Right. By any stretch. But you just got to be. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, which goes to show like our doctors and like super smart people. Right. Just super right. smart people. Uh, I did make bad grades, but they're like, mm, you're probably not going to be competitive. To, even if you were to take, like get some good, you know, MCAT scores, whatever. Right. You're not going to probably be competitive. And so that threw me for a loop, you know, you know, I'm yeah. already looking like, what am I doing after college? Right. Um, what do I do? And so, um, I was involved, uh, in my church in Greenville and they had a pro, they instituted a program, the year before I graduated, called the Fellows Program through uh, the Fellows Initiative. So there's, um, I guess, locations all up and down the eastern seaboard and then even some in like Texas. And what it is, it's like a you you intern um, with the church. I'm sorry. Ooh, excuse me. And um, you work. We had layman jobs. Like we didn't mm-hmm. work. We didn't have like clergy jobs. We didn't work at the church. I worked. I interned at an environmental consulting firm. And oh, so, and then a lot of the coursework we did through the church was uh, around faith and work and like, how, how do you, how are you a Christian mm. in like a normal day to day job? Right. right. Um, how, what does that look like? And so I, um, travel, I, it was actually kind of fun because I had never traveled since I was a little kid. Like the only time I flew was when I think I was like five years old yeah. and we went to New York city. Right. And like, you know, doing it big. Yeah. Um, Being from Lexington, South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Five year old kid, FAO Schwartz, like the big toy store. Yeah. 
one of the, uh, my mom tells a story from that trip every, like to anyone and everyone who will listen to it. Um, I'll tell it. Why not? It'll be funny. And people yeah. can get a kick out of it. So yeah. I, That's what this is long form. Right. Long why we form. Have. I'm a huge Star Wars fan and have been since that year, little, little kid. And so my mom jokes that they made the mistake of going to the, the toy store and let me get one of the little like snow speeders from Empire Strikes Back yes. that Luke flies around to, to, to fight the little uh, AT-AT walkers. I'm really nerding out. It's okay. <laughs> but um, but I wanted nothing else but to go back to the hotel and play with that toy. Yeah. And my older sister was going to go ice skating um, at the little ice rink right there with my dad. And so, you know, they're out ice skating around and I'm with my mom and I do one of the like scream, lay on the ground, roll right. around tantrums. And I'm trying to remember who all approached my mom, but it was like a child psychologist came up to my mom, uh, someone, I forget who the other person was, but then eventually the police showed up and was, and they were questioning my mom and my aunt. They're like, is this your child? (laughs) (laughs) And my mom was like, yes, you can take them if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is my child. He is throwing a tantrum. (laughs) Only in New York would that happen. Oh That's God. ridiculous. I thought if that happened in Colombia, they'd be like, hey, get better hold of your kid. Oh, yeah. Get on now. <laughs> get out of here. So, yeah. So my That's mama loves to just tell. And if no one's ever heard that story, they just always That's just tell a it. classic four or five-year-old <laughs> yeah. throwing a tantrum. That's hilarious, though. Child psychologist. What was, they, what was she going to do? Right. Up? Yeah. I don't know. Like, let me right. lay, lay him back and we'll talk about his feelings. Like, right. <laughs> I don't know, but, um, so sorry, that was a little off track, but but I got to travel because what we did was, uh, groundwater remediation. Essentially there was, um, in a nutshell, there was like a spill of some chemical or, uh, we had a site that was an old gas station. And when they installed the the tank in the ground and the pipe that goes up to the, to the pumps, uh, the, the pipe that went up had a leak. And so the guy was like, yeah, pretty much every gallon someone put in their car, a gallon went into the ground and into oh, the groundwater. And so that's not good. And then they would, so th- this company cleaned those, essentially cleaned the spills, try and get the, the groundwater and other things uh, back to normal, so mm-hmm. to speak, which is pretty fascinating. Right. Um, never even knew that existed. Right. Um, and so, and it was, we went out, the coolest part was we got, got, got to go out to Kansas City and it was cold. Cold. That's so weird because when I think about like Missouri, yeah, I think about like for some reason I have in my mind that it's really hot, mm-hmm. and that I, that's not yeah. true. Especially in the like winter time, yeah, it's very cool. Especially coming from Columbia, right? Super hot, super humid, <laughs> almost either. all year long. Like if I got if I was faced with single digit temperatures, I literally do not own clothing. Yeah, that would be able to protect me yeah. from that. Yeah, I literally I remember getting back to the hotel. And what, and what you would do is, you know, you'd stick like a tube down in the ground. You have a pump and it would um, eventually suck up the water and you would sample it. And, mm. But then I remember getting back to my hotel and I couldn't move my fingers. They literally were stuck like this. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, ah. <laughs> it was wild. But it was, it, was a, it was a great experience. And that um, eventually how I landed my job where I work now. And so where I started initially was in our environmental affairs department. And so what I did was kind of the opposite. So, um, in my internship, we did kind of clean up and on 
my first job, we did prevention, right? So we gotcha. we handled all I handled all hazardous, non-hazardous waste. We have um, waste water from our production process uh, that I would test in the lab for just some basic like pH mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, concentration of salt, essentially in the right. water, and just make sure it met specifications before we would send it to the the city treatment plant and. Um, and then a lot of our kind of green initiatives, which is also cool to kind of get exposed to that. Um, I know that's kind of been a hot button, right? Kind of the green energy and right, right. Um, stuff, which we can touch on too. If we yeah, want. yeah, so, for sure. Down the road. That's pretty cool. So yeah. what, uh, I guess, how does that lead you into what exactly are you doing now? Right. right so, so it's in the pharmaceutical industry, right. but like what? So my specific role um, I was like, pull the mic, I guess, a little in front of you a oh, little more. You yeah, can sorry. pull it over just a little bit. There you go. Is that yeah, good? Yeah, that's Better? good. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, what I do now, I work very closely with our labs, mostly. Okay. So um, we have a, a chemistry lab and a microbiology lab. Um, and so a lot of what I do is look at their method development work, kind of their protocols and things. So, you know, every drug that we make has to meet certain criteria for different tests. And so, mm-hmm. and then they have to validate those tests for each new product. Or, um, if, you know, if there's a change that needs to happen, they have to re, you know, revalidate and those types of things. So I work, uh, closely with them and review over those things. So I have a background, um, obviously in biology and then through pre-med I had coursework in chemistry. Right. Um, and then, I do a lot of our annual product trending. So that's something I generate. Um, a lot of, a lot of what I do, I, I look at other people's work and kind of look at it, make sure it looks good. And, right, right. Um, but the annual product reviews kind of are what I generate. And so that essentially takes a 12 month snapshot of a given drug that we make mm-hmm. and we look at it holistically from, you know, we look, how many did we, you know, simple things like how many batches did we make? How right. many did we sell? Did we have to throw any away? Mm-hmm. Um, were there manufacturing investigations? Were there, com- you know, customer complaints? Right. Um, validation work around there. You know, we have a whole list of procedures and right. test methods that, you know, what was updated around this drug product over the, I mean, it's very, very holistic, very in depth. Right. So it sounds like there's a, a lot of scrutiny that goes into yes, it. Yes, yes. Hopefully, we'll communicate that through this <laughs> podcast. That right. are especially in the United States. I'm, you know, I don't know as well about like Europe and mm-hmm. um, like Canada or some of those places, but like our our pharmaceutical industry is very tightly regulated. regulated. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first day of what we call boot camp is like we have like a week long. Um, I think it's a week long now is it's the length has fluctuated since I've been there, but, um, we call it bootcamp. It's like an orientation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just kind of get you familiar with the company, but then also one of the first days they show us this 60 minute clip, 60 minutes, the show mm-hmm. clip of, um, a documentary they did around, uh, NECC or the new England compounding center and where they're, one of their sites, I think it was down in South America somewhere, I want to say. Um, but their kind of quality controls got out of control and it ended mm. up like tons of people in the United States now have like fungal meningitis and like won't be able to get rid of it. And Oh, for like for the rest of their life? For the rest of their life, yeah. Because of yeah, a specific yeah. drug that they were taking coming mm-hmm. out of one plant? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's terrifying. Yeah, so it was like kind of a scared straight. Like yeah. right, right when you walk in the door, like if you screw up, 
you could kill. And it's true. Like right. it, it really is. And it's, it's a, it's a very good kind of cold water over the head. Like, right. No, like what we do here is serious. Like we could. Mm-hmm. And, um, they always tell you like, you know, if you wouldn't, if you don't feel comfortable giving a drug we sell to like your mom or my son now, right. like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't sign off on that or you shouldn't, you know, that shouldn't go out the door. Right. Right. You should feel confident that if you walk into a hospital and you see my company's name across whatever drugs going into, you know, your whatever relative, best friend, not your, anybody, right. You should feel kind of like, that's a good drug. Right. That's not going to harm them in any way. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So what type of drugs, I guess, do y'all, do you have experience with? Is it like, a wide variety, like in manufacturing right. of these pharmaceutical drugs, do they have uh, like one manufacturing place over here that only manufactures this one drug or can right. you do a wide gambit of different drugs? Right. So my company is, is so, you know, you'll hear the term big pharma. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are the Pfizer's, Moderna's, Johnson Johnson's. Right. And they have a very wide range. And we do as a small locally owned. And I think, you know, we probably have, 2,000 plus employees, mm-hmm. I think now. Which is considered a small pharmaceutical right, company. Right, that's small. Which is interesting. Roughly, and, you know, and we're constantly growing. Right. And so I, I might be lowballing that number, mm-hmm. but I would I would probably say two grand plus at least. Um, not on site at a time maybe per se, because we, right. we're 24-7, 365. Right. And we have shift work, and so not all those people are on site all at one time. Right. Potentially, but, um, and we have a wide pretty wide range of products that we make. Um, but then there are some, I think it, there are some that are just pretty specialized. Right. Um, for a while, my company was specialized. We made inhalation solutions and suspensions. That was our, and that's still our kind of like bread and butter. Gotcha. And then we have now, and it's kind of blown up this, um, we call it the 503B outsourcing division. And so, um, which is really interesting because that's, so what that division does is make uh, a lot of the drugs you'll see are like morphine, mm-hmm. kind of like a fentanyl. Like heavy opiates right. type Well, thing? some, but then like just more, they're like injectable products. So like gotcha. okay. our uh, inhalation solutions you would put in a nebulizer on if you know what that is. No, I do like, not know what a nebulizer is. <laughs> back in the day, it'd be like the size of like a VCR. And you'd have this mask you'd put on and you pour the, the medicine in mm-hmm. and then it vaporizes it and you would breathe it in. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And now... Um, you know, they, ha- they have one that fit in your pocket and you just put it in. You just, That's wild. Yeah. Crazy. Technology has yeah. increased. Cause I, I remember using a nebulizer as mm. a kid growing up. Like remember we'd sit in a chair and the thing would sit over there and right. be loud. Like, yep. And you just <laughs> breathe it in. Yeah. And now that you mentioned it, actually I had asthma as a kid yeah. and I, I, I do remember actually having to use mm-hmm. one of those for that. Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. And so our, uh, outsourcing divisions are more like like it, IV bag products, mm. syringe, anything that goes into a syringe. Um, a lot of those are like kind of like those morphines, hydromorphones, kind of kind of deal. And so, um, and what's r- kind of unique about that is that it we make those because they're on drug shortage. Which like if you'd probably ask the majority of Americans like, is, are there a drug shortage problem in the United right. States? And they'd be like, No, what are you talking right. about? Right. But um, the FDA gives like clearance because these drugs are short and they like, they need them. Like these are used mm. in surgeries, um, and all kinds of different things that like, and the, and that's kind of the reason they stay on shores. Like hospitals get them and they use them, get them and they use them right. because right. and they need them so much. And so, 
Um, that's been a, a unique kind of new wing, so to speak, right. of our business. So, so is there more regulation around opiates specifically? Like I know that. So right now, and I we're we I'm happy to get into it if you want. I guess right. I kind of pick your brain about opiates sure. specifically mm-hmm. because there is a lot of attention in the mm-hmm. media around drug abuse, but more specifically drug abuse from opiates. And, you know, you see news articles all the time and you see uh, on, you know, different media corporations talking about the opiate epidemic, right, right, that Mm -hmm. we have right now Mm -hmm. in the country. And there are tens of thousands of people every single year that die from overdosing on opiates. Are there like more like, I guess maybe specific regulations or stricter regulations around those. There definitely is. So, um, because mainly because there's two regulatory bodies that would, that kind of govern those things. So you have your FDA, right? That they're, mm. they're gonna, they're gonna audit and regulate over all our farm, pharma, all pharmaceuticals. But then when you talk about op- opioids, you also add the, the DEA level of, oh, right. of I didn't even oversight. Think and so, and it's like that when when he, when I first started thinking about like the opioid epidemic, I was like, how are people getting this stuff? Yeah, because that's at, always at least, my question too. At least from a manu- from the manufacturing side of things, like we it is the security around it is in- incredible. Like huh. we have like when we we store our like raw materials, which are like there, it's the stuff that goes into the medicine. Yeah, the compounds. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, um, and any finished goods, waste, uh, you name it. Like if it's pretty much, if it's touched a controlled substance or an opioid, um, it goes into what we call it the vault. And it's mm. like something out of like, you'd see in a spy movie that someone's right. trying to get into. And it has to meet all these crazy security specifications. And like one of them is like, it has to be able to withstand like some sort of, I forget the level of impact. Like if someone were to try and like ram a car right. into the door to try and break in and steal stuff. Wouldn't be like, able to do yeah, it. Yeah, wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, it's insane. And then, um, and then to, I mean, and that's throughout anywhere it goes in, in our facility, like in the labs, there's safes in the lab that only certain people can access. And, sure. it, you know, it has to, you have, you have, they have logs where, like, I, you know, I grabbed right, right. two syringes of hydromorphone out of the safe to test for X. And then right. here's how much I return. And they have to keep a very detailed wow. log of, like, where it all goes. Right. Cause the, and the, you know, the DA shows up and, like, there's discrepancies or, you know, there's anything. Well, off. you could go to jail. Too. Right. Well, like, right. that's, that's one thing. Like, they put you in prison and then, um, there's heavy fines and Mm. it's, it's crazy. So the, um, like the FDA shows up and, you know, they're just guys in suits, but like the DA shows up and they have guns on their hip. Right. They ain't playing around. You know what I mean? Right. And so, um, it's just, it's pretty crazy. And so like, I I, I think about it, I'm like, how are people, like if people are doing your job on our, like on our, in the manufacturing, Hmm. um, like it's gotta be downstream, right? right? Like, right. And I'm sure there's instances all up and down, like from, you know, from people who make the raw, actual raw, you know, the raw compounds to manufacturers, to, you know, down to right. pharmacies and on so on and so forth that I'm sure there's instances where things get. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the biggest awry. things that I feel like I hear is that doctors are just freely writing those prescriptions right. out. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily, I'm not nearly qualified enough to be like, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, it does seem incredibly easy 
for a mm-hmm. lot of people to be able to go in and get these controlled substances and be able to just roll up to a pharmacy right. and just pick them up, right? right? Um, so do you think that there actually is an epidemic of opiates in the United States? I, I think I would say so. Like mm-hmm. even doing in my research, like I think I saw a stat, I think it was from the CDC. It was like 136 people die a day from some sort of opioid overdose. Wow. So that's not even like overdose that's specific to opioids. So that number's much higher right. in terms of like a drug overdose. Um, and so, I mean, I would say so. And I think, you know, I think what people kind of, don't understand maybe is like a lot of these people maybe even come out of the hospital. Like a lot of times, like they've been in long-term care. Yeah. Apparently in 2019, nearly 50,000 people in the United States died from an opioid involved overdose. Hmm. Yeah. 50,000 people. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's a lot of people. That is, it is. And I think, you know, people, a lot of these drugs sometimes are used, um, in like long-term, you know, like cancer patients, maybe like who are in the hospital for a long time and incredible amounts of pain. Mm. And these drugs are, you know, very, I mean, they're incredibly addictive. Right. Right. And so, um, I'm sure, you know, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't work in a hospital, Mm. so I'm not going to, you know, right. I'm so not, I'm not an expert on right. like treating like, you know, you should not treat someone longer than a week with, right. right. But, um, but yeah. And then I think people, I mean, they're highly addictive. And so I think a lot of cases they, or they are sent home as well and then they abuse them. Right? right. Like, um, you know, if you get Oxycontin and you take it home and you say, Hey, take one as needed. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, but Next thing some you know. people are like, Oh yeah, I need it. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel as bad, but I think I need what it. What makes you know? opiates specifically so addictive? It's no. <laughs> through the chemical. I think it's it's how it interacts and, and affects your the natural chemical pathways in your brain. Right. So. Um, uh, I'm a little out of my depth in that's terms a, of that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. So what I what I mean by that is like yeah. I'm, my guess would be, and I'm not an addiction specialist by any stretch, but right. my guess would be like, it feels good to have that pain right, right taken care exactly. of. But it also, I mean, of course, is going to change the chemical makeup of your brain and how your brain right. is interacting with different right. sensors and like different pain levels in right. your body, um, which of course is going to be, you know, right. soothing or, you know, obviously you get high from it. Right. So, so I mean, an easy, for addiction, like an easy example to think about is like caffeine, right? Mm-hmm. Like who doesn't love a cup of coffee in the morning? Right. But then, um, but your body, right. Gets accustomed to a certain level of caffeine in your system. Or, you know, you take one of these opioids, my contact's messing up on me. Um, and it, you know, releases the either effects, like you said, it takes away your pain and it can release. There's like a euphoric effect for mm-hmm. a lot of these. And that, you know, that comes from, you know, the dopamines and things that are released right. in your body. And then, you know, over time, as those um, your body gets used to it, you, you know, you have to get obviously like you need it. Yeah, more and more, and to get the same level of right, right. of of um, whatever that feeling is, you just need more and more need until more. Right. right. And then, you know, these I think these drugs are like they're incredibly powerful, mm-hmm. right? Um, Basically, die from an amount of like heroin or fentanyl 
we can uh, we can try to figure out a way to throw this up if it's not copyrighted. <laughs> yeah, to throw this up on the screen. Well, wow, I, yeah, fentanyl is one too to, to to think about, and right, and just thinking about um, some of the products we make, like the the amount of actual fentanyl in a given syringe, IV bag, whatever it is, is incredibly small. Hmm. Um, per milliliter you know sometimes it's only and it's measured a lot of times in like micrograms wow. per milliliter which is you know a lot of you'll see milligrams a ton but micrograms that's like multiple folds smaller magnitude smaller and you know helpful one when i was thinking about fentanyl and how like powerful it is uh, there's a stat i read i think it was also through the cdc that it's 50 to 100 times more powerful than morphine hmm. And so, like, you know, morphine... 50 to 100 times mm-hmm. more powerful than morphine. Right. Mm-hmm. That is incredibly potent. Right. Yeah. I mean, you see in, like, the war movies, like, they're giving little surrets of morphine to people right. who have bullet wounds, right? But then, two, you know, I my wife just had a baby. So, one uh, recent example that I thought of was the epidural. Mm-hmm. So, um, which, you know, uh, which is fentanyl and another drug, right? And so... And it's, granted, it's, I don't want to, hopefully people don't get squeamish, but like they, they put a, a needle in, into the spine, all right, right of the pregnant right. woman. Um, and then they have a, a, this drip for the, for the epidural. Um, and my wife, I remember my wife, they, so they have the husband leave, right? When they put the epidural in, because, you know, you, you don't want anybody pass. You out. may not think you're a pass out risk until you right. see someone stick a really long needle into your wife's spine. So. Right. <laughs> Right. And, and so, like, and then you're no. just keeled over and then yeah. they have to worry about you. So they have you leave and they're like, come back in like 10 minutes. And then, you know, uh, delivery is one of the most painful things that right. the human body can go through. Right? right. And I came back in the room 10 minutes later, granted. And my wife literally is having a conversation with me like this, like going from the like worst pain of her life I feel fine. I'm not fine, but like, I don't feel anything. Right. Like that's how powerful this kind of stuff is. Right. That is unbelievable. And then, and granted, you kind of have to take into account, like there's how the, the mode in which you put it into your body definitely affects how quickly it acts upon your body. Right. So if like you're taking a pill, it's going to take far, it's going to take longer for you to feel that effect than you take a, a needle and you just pop it right into your bloodstream. Right. So, Granted, there's some there's some caveats around all that kind of stuff. So, um, mm. but yeah, incredibly powerful. Um, and we actually we have raw fentanyl on on site, and uh, I'm still on the hazardous response team from when I was um, on in the environmental affairs department. So this is you know we have a little team of people that if we were to have like a big spill of this nasty chemical or whatever we're you know, able to respond to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And the guy who comes in, he's super quirky. He's like a weird dude, but you kind of have to be, I feel like to like teach a hazmat response. Right. You kind of have yeah, to that's be uh, kind of weird, but, <laughs> but he always is at the beginning of each training. It takes a couple of days and he's like, what's the scariest chemical you have on site. And f- since we've brought fentanyl on site, like every time we're like fentanyl, huh? I mean, and you'll look, I mean, you can pull up like the safety data sheet because you can just Google that and pull it up and it's acutely toxic if you, yeah. you know, ingest it, breathe it, touch it. We have to have like special gloves for people to wear. 
to even goodness. even handle it, right? So it's it's incredibly so what difficult. Is, when you say raw fentanyl, so that's just like fentanyl powder, okay, right? Just powder, right? Okay. It's not been diluted. It's not had anything added to it. Gotcha. Um, so again, granted, like if you're taking raw fentanyl, it's definitely going to be way more potent than like right 100 micrograms. In, huh. You know, per so why why does it need to be that potent? Like that's what that's I guess one of the things that I'm kind of thinking about as I'm kind of sitting here is why make a drug that mm. is so potent that you can have a you know literally micrograms in a, right. in a you know in a in order to be able to you know stop the pain of somebody or to be able to administer that drug like why does it need to be right like don't don't we already have morphine don't we already have other drugs that are incredibly potent as well. Right. I don't know the specific answer to that. I would say they just, I, I would assume you need something powerful for powerful types of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, would be my only guess. Well, and I guess maybe efficiency as well. Right. right? Like you can, you use can use less to get the same effect. Right. right. Um, so I'm sure there's even like a cost analysis right. done in that. And um, what I learned too and I, you know, fentanyl has been like a hot button one ever mm-hmm. since, kind of you know George Floyd and all those things. Um, except well, he, yeah, he was found right, well. yeah. But I think, at least to me, it, it definitely brought it into the mainstream. Yeah, I think that's another problem, right, with this opioid crisis that that people call it. It's not like no one really talks about it, right? Mm-hmm. Until like you, you know, know somebody, you know or, somebody, yeah, or. Something like George um, Floyd happens. Right, exactly. And because, um, again, I was like, how are people getting this stuff? Yeah. And um, I was looking I, in my research, uh, most cases of someone who like ODs from fentanyl, it's usually been added. I think you're, mm-hmm. I think it was it Will last? Yeah, my last guest. Yeah, yeah. Where he said he took something and he didn't know fentanyl was added right, to it. Right. And so that now, and that, and that people are making fentanyl, mm-hmm. like, uh, the the website called it illicitly. So, right. right. So someone's out there, Walter White and fentanyl, right? And you know, lacing it into the drug, other drugs probably that right. they make, and not telling people. Hmm. And then you know, which that was a scary thought. Like I already, you know, we've talked about how potent this stuff is, how careful you have to be, and then you have someone who I guarantee you, right, doesn't have any kind of science degree, probably, right. and they're just probably. I don't know. Making watching, batches of yeah, it. Yeah, making batches of it. And across the border. Right. And so. Or you, directly into the United States. Right. And so, you know, that's an incredibly scary thought to think that someone with no expertise is putting an incredible, incredibly powerful drug hmm. into other drugs. Right? Right. right. And then, you know, and that's what kills people. Right. Right. One, they don't know it's there. And if they do know it's there, you know, you have someone who doesn't know what they're doing. And. Hmm. All, you know, who knows how much, right? Right. Like, and that's, that's the golden question is like in terms of dosage and, you know, that. It doesn't can, take a lot to kill you. No, it doesn't. And it, you know, it depends granted on, you know, your size, sex, weight. Right. Um, and so experience around other drugs and other things, but I mean, yeah, it's incredibly powerful and it doesn't take much at right. all. And so, um, it's super scary to think that someone yeah. who, doesn't know what the heck they're doing is putting that stuff in right, right. for people to take. And then, huh? So what, um, I think one of, I, I've read some different, 
uh, some different statistics and different articles and stuff around how the United States is one of the he- most heavily medicated countries in the mm. entire world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people blame phar- pharmaceutical companies for mm. that mm-hmm. because they basically are saying pharmaceutical companies have an incentive right. to create drugs uh, that may be addictive, to right. create drugs that people are going to feel like they need. To be able to create a drug, a drug that's going to quote fi- fix all of your problems, or if it doesn't fix your problem, at least make you feel like it's fixed, right? Right. And that doesn't even necessarily have to deal with opiates, right, right at all. But um, do you, what do you think? I guess maybe the pharmaceutical industry's role is in, you know, how heavily medicated the United States is as a whole. Like, do you really kind of buy into or think, like, what do you think about kind of like the whole big pharma, you know, is basically running everything because they're making a lot of money and they're trying to drug up right. the states. You know? <laughs> well, I know, I know my company has tried to even sell some alternatives, right. Or try and get, and I think one of the biggest obstacles is to get pharmacists and doctors to change how they operate. Right. I mean, because, you know, a lot of doctors probably like, well, the way I do things isn't broke. So why fix it? Right. Right? And so I think a lot of it is getting buy in right from, you know, if a doctor won't buy that medication, that alternative medication that might be just as effective. Right. Right. um, You're not going to make money. Right. And so, you know, at the end of the day, um pharmaceutical, especially manufacturers are businesses. They have right. to make money. Right? right. And so, uh, now granted, and this is something I've, I've learned. And when I, you know, talk about my work experience, I'm like, there's an incredible tension between, um, quality and, uh, quantity. Right. Mm-hmm. And cause you know, one, you want quality. You don't want to harm anybody. You want, you, you have patient interest first, obviously mm-hmm. you like, you don't go into a medical field unless you you care for people right right but then it's a business you have to make money yeah so there's an there is an incredible tension like to deny that I think would be silly right um, and so um, so a lot of times it's demand right like, right and uh, a lot of it too I think kind of goes back to these drug shortages right like these are drugs that doctors need they're like I don't have time to try out this new you know treatment method I you know I know morphine works. We don't have it. Just give it, just give me the, you know, right. And let's go. Like, I know this works. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. Right. Right. So I think, I think getting buy-in, um, from, uh, the people downstream, I think is a huge portion of it. And then too, like, and, um, and getting, you know, doing the, doing the research and like, right. right? Like big pharma can do that. Like, I think, COVID vaccine is a great example, hmm. right? With this MNR, mRNA vaccine that right. really has was untested for the most part, I feel like. At least not right. mainstream, right? Like right. we don't know. Well, it wasn't allowed, right? Like an right. mRNA um, vaccine wasn't allowed to be uh, used or distributed in the right. United States, right? Under right. FDA regulation? Yes. Because they had to, they had a grand emergency uh, authorization hmm. for, right. um, which I know a lot of people kind of get so the whole like approval process, um, I think, cause I know like listen to some like political pundits, especially, you know, when they, uh, they paused the Johnson and Johnson right. Right, vaccine, right. They had these people that had severe blood clotting issues. I think mostly women, right. Yeah. I think almost if, if I'm not mistaken and they like pump the brakes, let's look at this. Yeah. And, I think that, um, uh, if I'm 
if I'm correct, I believe I believe every single person actually was a woman right. that were all with the vast majority of them under the age of sixty right. as well. So it was primarily young women, right? Uh, in both the in Europe and the United States. Right. And I know you know listening to some political pundits, they were so frustrated and mad. Like, why would you do that? Like, we're trying to roll out these vaccines, get as many people done. And I'm like. If they find, you know, if you think about it in like a grocery store, you know, if they were to test one bag of lettuce and right. there's salmonella in it, right. you're going to recall all the lettuce. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you're not going to leave that out there, right? And so I was I was like, I'm like no, of course you're going to stop, right. right? And look at this and be like, because one, like, that's just people who have reported it, right? right. Like, who knows how many haven't reported it, right? Mm-hmm. And then if it's only in women, especially young women, well, then there's a incredible risk right if or if they're pregnant and they right. try and get a johnson johnson vaccine right. and then they get a blood clot and then they lose their baby or they right. die and then the baby dies like, right you know you got to take all those kind of things into account and so um good for the fda to pause and say hey like let's right. look and make sure this isn't like a a big deal you know thankfully we have a regulatory body that right right well, looks it, out right know? right well and it does seem like um the regulatory body of the FDA within the United States does put drugs under an incredible amount of scrutiny. Yes. I mean, not just yes. from, you know, what you were talking about, obviously a lot to do with what you were talking about earlier, but every single vaccine was approved in other places outside of the United States, most of the time weeks before it was approved within the United States. Right. And it's because the FDA is basically like, yeah, they can approve it and that's mm-hmm. fine if they want to approve it. But like, we're going to, we're going to really look yeah, into this and make this. sure that it's safe. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, just the under normal circumstances, it can take years, at t- you know, depending on what kind of, you know, submission you're doing. If it's a completely new treatment, right? Mm-hmm. It's gonna, you're going to have to have clinical trials, gonna have all kinds of data. And they're going right. to they're, they're gonna have to go through and they're going to come to your site and they're going to audit, audit your site, make sure you have all your ducks in a row, um, which we're, you know, we're, reg- we're audited pretty regularly right. um, from FDA to boards of pharmacies to Hmm. hospitals, you name it. And uh, it's not like a bad, like that's just a normal, that's a normal thing. It's not like, oh, my company's doing something wrong. They have to come check us out, right? Like that is a normal thing. Once a year, we expect the FDA. Right. And they're going to stay a week, week and a half. And they're going to, with a fine tooth comb. Every single thing. Yeah, yeah. All kinds of stuff. Um, And so, uh, but then, you know, but then they're flexible. So, uh, right. It could take years. And to, honestly, like this is a new drug that didn't have a whole lot of long-term data. Right. 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 And Very so, little. And I think that's one of the big pushbacks from a lot right. of people that don't right. trust or don't want to get the vaccine is right. they're like, this thing was developed in less than a year. Right. Like how do we, we have no idea what the effects are going to be on people. Like right. we, what happens if we get three years on the road and people are growing lizard tails, Right. you know, <laughs> like what right. are we going to do? Which it's, I mean, but the FDA is one, it can take it, it, it typically takes its time. And mm-hmm. um, is some of that maybe red tape? Sure. It's a government body, right? Right. Um, but they are also ex- extraordinarily thorough. But then they're flexible. Like this COVID vaccine, like they expedited right that and mm-hmm. got emergency authorization to do so. Um, I went to a conference. I love this. This was, I nerded out when I heard this. Um, and they had a speaker there. Um, her name is, I believe, oh, I wrote it down, so excuse me for getting notes. Well, no, when I put my notes here, there. But she wrote a book about it, and I'm gonna plug the book. 
It's called The Perfect Predator by Stephanie Strathdy. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, But she told this story. She was um, traveling abroad. And she's she's a professor in a university in California, at least at the time of she wrote the book. I think it was in epidemiology. Read the book. She'll... Get her credentials right. um, uh, are in there. Very, very and smart so, lady. Yes. <laughs> and, and and knows a lot about disease and, right. and those sorts of things. And so, and her husband uh, got a cyst and it was getting operated on or like treated in Egypt. And um, there was like bacteria in there and it was, they were having trouble treating it. And so they had a, and then in the story she said, you know, they were, I think there was a, they were draining it. Right, mm-hmm. or like a regular draining, and the I guess the tube, whatever the nurse slipped, and the bacteria got in his bloodstream, hmm. and it 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 became or already was or became resistant to all antibodies, and so wow, and so he was septic and was on death's door essentially, and she, um, I'm painting with a broad brush, but right. she, long story short, um, developed this treatment using viruses. Called phage therapy, and so um, so viruses. One, they they can affect us. They can affect plants. They also infect can infect bacteria, which is hmm. a lot of people may not know that. And they're called bacteriophages. And so she developed this phage therapy to where um, they found a virus that would attack the bacteria in his bloodstream. What? Yeah. And so um, so they essentially inject in, infected him with this virus. Right. Um, and it began to attack the bacteria in his bloodstream and it didn't, um, quite solve the problem because back the thing too, that's pretty relevant is that bacteria and viruses evolve, can evolve incredibly rapidly right. because they, they multiply right. so, so quickly. And so, uh, what they found was that the bacteria was, had evolved to kind of resist a little bit to the virus but in the process, it resensitized itself to antibi- to certain antibiotics. So it couldn't fight both, right? Mm. It couldn't it couldn't hold off the virus and also be resistant to the right. antibiotics. So what ended up happening, they did like a dual treatment with this phage therapy and antibiotics and cured him. That and is wild. All that to say, they had to get emergency vac- uh, authorization from the FDA to treat her husband. Right. Like, and they did it within. I think a month or something. It was an incredibly short time frame right. where they were like, I mean, he was going to die. It was hundred percent. Right. There's no question. He was going to die unless they yeah. tried this treatment. Right. And right. so they were like, okay. Yeah. You know? And so they can uh, be incredibly flexible. Right. When if, needed. Yeah. When needed. Yeah. Right. That's so interesting. So, and so one of the big things I think that you hear, and I think you probably hear know. this more from conservatives. Right. Um, uh, that are kind of more, I don't want to say for big pharma, but mm-hmm. they're at least, um, they're softer on big pharma, right? right? A lot of conservatives are like big pharma in a lot of ways is kind of the backbone to our healthcare system. Right. Because they do make so much money that they're able to invest in research and development right. in incredible ways. And, and I think that a great example of this is this COVID-19 vaccine, mm. where we have these gigantic pharmaceutical companies that, of course, are going to make billions of dollars right. by getting this COVID-19 right. vaccine out, right? But because they have, you know, this light at the end of the tunnel, this, you know, kind of gold brick road at right. the end, that's like, we're going to be able to make a lot of money off this. They're able to dump billions and billions of dollars in research 
and actually developing something out. Right. Um, do you like? Do you think that having gigantic pharmaceutical companies is more of a net positive than it would be a net a net you know kind of negative? And I guess you're you know at a much smaller pharmaceutical company. But right. Um, I would say. I would probably say a net positive, right? These companies, a lot, you know, these companies didn't become big pharma and super successful because they were bad at what they do. Right. Right. Um, you know, a business doesn't become successful because they're, they have a bad product or a bad service. Unless you're buying off Congress people, right? (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're a politician. Um, but, but that's, and I think that's coming to a head, uh, at this, you know, the, I, this new, I guess the WTO and, uh, the world trade organization and Biden, you know, was voting in favor of waiving the patent rights to these Mm. COVID vaccines, um, so that it would open it up. Right. So if these, these big pharma companies don't have patents, then kind of anyone can, it's, it's open season on that technology. Right. And that they can, um, and a lot of the big pharma companies are like, well, one, they're like, we took the, like, you know, we, we're the ones who fronted this risk and cost. Right. right? And right. so, um, and yeah, I'd be incredibly, fr- and yeah, I think it was a Pfizer. I read the Pfizer CEO in, a, in an article. He was like, this is going to completely disin- disincentivize, uh, companies from do- taking this kind of risk in the future, because right. why take the risk, develop this new technology if, you know, if we, if we're not going to kind of essentially be able to reap the benefits, yeah, of it, reap right? the benefits. Right. And then, uh, another portion is, is the quality, right? Like right. they, they have the facilities, they have the technology, they have the people that know mm-hmm. what they're doing. And they, we've seen that they've made a quality product, but right. if you just open it up to anyone, well, they may not have the same kind of systems in place. Right. And so then what if they make, yeah, it's the same, vaccine but what if they mess it up somehow right right and then you you, you might run into more you know blood count you know, right any kind right. of negative side effects right and then the other portion is just a logistical right the the, the pure raw materials hmm. I, I i think i read that to make i think it was the pfizer vaccine it took 280 components sourced from 19 different countries and so you know that might just be that that could be you know parts for the right but i mean either way right that's an incredible amount of resources right and from a very few locations i feel like and then their big concern was uh, a backlog right like if if just anyone can do this and then what if we run into shortages right Hmm. again like kind of tying back to this drug shortage that I've talked about before, or, you know, we have commodities that are in short, like aluminum and wood prices are going through the roof because everyone's buying up wood. That's probably because they're rebuilding their back porch because they're working from home. (laughs) But you know, it it all, it all connects. Right. Yeah. And a lot of these big um, pharma companies, I think are saying, no, like let us keep the patents and we're, we're already working to contract out and vet people that, and, and different facilities that we can can contract with and mm. and help have them help us up production right. right but then that allows us to make sure that they meet our you know ours and the big pharma quality standards right. um, and that you know it, it is the Pfizer vaccine it's not right you know so I think a lot of people don't think about that mm. um, and you know when you're 
when you're injecting things into people's bodies, right? Like it's a big deal. Like, right. You could really mess somebody up. Right. Um, right. I mean, so, it's terrifying. Yeah. And I mean, it, I, like, that's why, I mean, it makes sense why like, you know, I mean, where you work, like the, the amount of scrutiny that goes into right. making sure that this one pill, and I mean, you're, you're manufacturing millions and millions right. and millions of pills, right? right. A, a drug manufacturer. And if you have just one mm-hmm. that slips through the cracks, you're going to get dinged on it. Right. And like, that is, that's unbelievable. And like, I can't think of any other industry mm-hmm. that is under that level of oversight. Right. Right. Where if you have, I mean, one tiny thing that goes wrong, it's yeah. like you're held accountable for it. You're right. held liable to it. And it makes sense. Right. Of course. Well, and even, I mean, and, and you can kill people. Right. I mean, straight up. Right? right. Like you not only will like a regulatory agency hit you with some fines or, sh- you know, shut you down, but you could in someone's life, you know, and that right. there's, there's, it, it's a very, like I said, there's that tension between, you know, quality and quantity. Mm. Um, and cause you know, you, you're, you're trying to find that happy medium where you're like, yeah. you got the best quality and you're making the most and distributing the highest quality products at the most you can. Um, again, cause I, I think it's a miss, I, I think it's a misnomer that, the people in the pharmaceutical industry don't care about right. patients. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I saw, like I just Google big, you just Google big pharma. Oh yeah. And there's like, like all these evil, it's yeah. like literally villains from Batman. Right. Like they, uh, they have all these cures to diseases that they don't, uh, sell because right. they can, or like they have the cure for cancer. Right. That's what I was, yeah, that's <laughs> which what I was, was going to ask. Which I'm like, that is absurd. Like one, okay. If, if you're, you're to eradicate cancer, like, yeah. Okay. You, one, they will make a lot of money. It, Absolutely. They will make a lot of money. Pharmaceutical companies make a ton of money off but cancer. But then your name will be in the history books forever. That's one person though. Forever. So, my, yeah. all right. So play devil's advocate. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll play devil's advocate with you. So I'm, I'm, I'm big pharma. I'm some big company, Pfizer, okay. whatever, who whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know every single year mm-hmm. there are, hundreds of thousands of people that are being diagnosed, maybe millions of people. I don't know how many people get diagnosed with cancer every year. There are so many people. Right. I feel like Mm -hmm. because of the industry, I would be incentivized to keep them alive as long as I possibly Hmm. can, but to not cure them. Right. Because as soon as that cancer is cured, that money is gone. I'm not making any more money off of them, but... If I keep them alive, but I keep them on X number of pills, hmm. I still get to manufacture those pills every day, right? Right. I think one. This is a pretty wild statistic, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, in 2020, an estimated 1.8 million new cases of cancer like will be diagnosed. Like that's what they were like predicting. Hmm. It's like, so over a million cases of cancer a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Easy. I think that's a bad argument. Okay. For two reasons. Two big reasons. One, you're still going to make the money, right? And you're and the fame, you're you're etched in the history forever. I already said that. But then two, like like kind of what we touched on, like viruses, bacteria, diseases are constantly evolving. There's going to be, hmm. there's always going to be something to treat. We're not in the foreseeable future, right? Ever be where we're disease free? Where like there's no need for any kind of pharmaceuticals. So to to, to say that like, Oh, let's just keep dosing these people and make money off them. I think that's a bad argument because there's, there's always, you know, right. There's, 
this year, this 2020 is a great example. We had a global pandemic, right? Where they, they got to research, develop a vaccine and they're, they're making bukus of money right. off this new technology and this, and this vaccine, right? Like yeah. there's always going to be something that they can make money on, right? If, mm. if they're a good company, right? Right, right. And they're, right. and they're constantly doing R and D developing new treatments, products, those types of things. Right. But to me, like the, like any, any opiates, any type of drug, that you are using that you're wanting a patient to take for an extremely long period of time. Like, don't you have an incentive as a pharmaceutical company to keep them on that drug? Like, doesn't it, doesn't it help the company? Right? Like if you have somebody, I mean, it would make sense. Like what if I came to you and I was like, Hey man, you have to buy a new car every single year or you're going to die. Right. Right. Well, I think, you know, if you develop a completely new treatment that one doesn't addict people and Hmm. right. Like you could easily corner of the market, let's say, right? Right. Like all my competitors are selling you this stuff that, you know, if treated long-term isn't good. Right. And we, will damage your body. Yeah. Well, yeah. But we've got this new product, right? Right. Uh, and I think that is somewhere maybe like big pharma could, because they have incredible influence. Right. They do. They have incredible I mean, that's influence. that's one of the big arguments against like why big right. pharma is bad. Right. And so, I mean, do, do I think that they could be more involved in pushing new technologies, new treatments, probably, yeah. you know, well, you know, I'm not involved. You know, I don't know what's in the R and D pipeline over at Moderna and Pfizer, Moderna. <laughs> yeah, right? right? Like maybe they are, maybe they've got a, you know, a revolutionary cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. I, uh, read a, that this MNRA, MRNA, um, technology is actually being developed into cancer treatments. So, mm-hmm. um, which, I don't know. Have you gone into the pod and like how how that vac- how the vaccine works? No. So, so I geeked I, out. I, like, okay. I, I was researched saying, it. I was going to ask you. I was going to get into it because right. So I know I know almost nothing. Okay. About anything healthcare, anything <laughs> science at all, which is why I need people like you to be able to come on and talk to me about it because I like I literally am one of those people that are like, and like I feel like like the vast majority of people that are right. like. They say it's safe, so I'm going to hope it is. Right. You know, right, because right, right. I have no idea how it works. I don't even know what mRNA is. I know that there's <laughs> RNA and DNA. Right, right, right. That's um, the extent of my knowledge. Right. So mRNA typically comes from DNA, right? Um, but so the way that this and the CDC, like if you go on the CDC, if you were just type in how does COVID-19 vaccine work, the CDC website has a a very good, and I'm going to try and like regurgitate because it's a very good like layman's term mm-hmm. or as, as layman as you can make some of this science stuff, uh, explanation. Very <laughs> <laughs> um, but essentially the way this works is that you have this MRNA, which is, um, which when it put into a cell, right? Well, your, the cell will generate a protein from that MRNA and that protein is, uh, identical to the one in the COVID COVID nineteen vaccine hmm. or COVID nineteen virus, excuse me. Right. And so that protein is then displayed on the surface of a cell, and there's even some of this that um, and then your body recognizes that oh that protein's not supposed to be there, hmm. and then it it responds and then your attacks it attacks it and develops gotcha. the, develops the you know the antibodies and things that it uses to then destroy it so the vaccine itself is not killing the virus the vaccine no. is instead spurring right. the body on to create right. antibodies to kill the virus right and so i'm um, sorry i'm like hitting no, something over there my bad um 
And that's how, I mean, generally that's how most vaccines work, right? They, they either put an, you want a little more burp? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Come on. Oh yeah. The answer to that is always yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, that's how most vaccines as a general concept work, right? They, they either introduce a weakened form of the virus, um, whatever it is, and prepares your body, right. To then fight that virus. Um, and so, so what makes the COVID-19 vaccine different from most other vaccine? Like why does, what's the right. MRNA differentiator? So the MRNA, so it, it, it's like I said, I think other vaccines use like uh, a weakened form or like, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, how that necessarily works. I don't necessarily right. know. Uh, I can do research later and come back on the pod, you know, <laughs> plugging myself for a follow-up sequel to part two. Um <laughs> But where this is, it's purely just that little single strand of mRNA. So single strand, Great. mRNA is single stranded, but then, you know, the mRNA goes into the gotcha. cell and then creates that protein um, that's displayed and it's called a spike protein. Okay. Um, and then, um, because that's, that's essentially how a virus kind of, that's almost how a virus works, honestly, is, um, and <laughs> I always laugh, I'm a biology nerd and they're like you know you get Lysol it's like kills 99% of viruses and bacteria right and viruses aren't technically alive so you can't technically kill them <laughs> but oh. well there you go there's I there are some biologists you just taught me that so. right there are some biologists that would argue that they're alive because they have genetic material they huh. um, they replicate and they're subject to natural selection right we kind of touched on that because they can evolve or ch- they can yeah evolve um, rap- quickly. Yeah, incredibly quickly, right. which, you know, uh, as Christians, I think evolution kind of gets, gets dumped on because right. you know, there's people like, you know, evolution, no such thing as evolution. evolution, 100%, right. like evolution exists. All you have to do is look at a virus bacteria. Right. Like right. they, um, can change incredibly quickly because of how fast they re- uh, replicate. Hmm. Um, and even <laughs> this is a, uh, we can get, into, I have a devil's advocate question for you. Okay, my okay. genetics professor in college asked us, um, but it's, uh, a virus is essentially, um, genetic material, whether it's MRNA or DNA, and then, um, a protein capsid or coating on the outside. And typically, and you know, if someone's more, if there's a vial, vial, a virologist. Oh, thank you. I was not going to say that well. <laughs> um, a virologist, virologist or that listens to the pod and can uh, maybe you can have him or he, he or she on next, and uh, they could really blow some people's minds. But yeah, um, but you know the two that you typical representations of viruses that little like light bulb with legs. Yeah, that is, is exactly <laughs> what I think of. Like when I think of a virus. Yeah, yeah, I literally think of like a cartoon with right. like this little. It's it's got like a little head, and right. it's got like this weird little stuff inside. He's mm-hmm. got his little legs, and he's yeah. like a little spider, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And or it's it's the. I think the COVID nineteen is is more like the the sphere, right? Yeah, the, the ball with, the with little, all the little spikes coming out, right? Of it. And so those are used to um, essentially bind to a cell, and right, it injects that. Uh, DNA or RNA into the cell and then the virus itself. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Injects like for lack of a better term, maybe right, right. Um, to help people. And then, but the, I guess the difference between this vaccine and a virus is the virus. So the, the, the way the vaccine works, that MRNA, it does that protein 
and then the 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 cell breaks it down, right? And so it's incredibly safe because it never like people are worried like, oh, is this mRNA is going to affect my DNA? It never goes into the nucleus. Huh. It doesn't ever affect any DNA in our cells. So that was that was a big thing that I heard, right? right? That right. it's going to be coming. It's going to be changing our DNA, right? Right. Doesn't We're going to get this vaccine. Right. We're gonna. It's gonna change your your right. cell makeup. Right. Does not interact at all huh. with okay. the DNA because it never in, enters into the nucleus, which is where all the DNA is. It's contained. Yeah, contained huh. in a cell. So look at that. Uh, yeah, and then the and then the cell just breaks it down. Uh, whereas you know when the virus infects a cell, whether that's you know our cells, bacteria, like I talked about earlier, or like a plant cell, is that they. Uh, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't dissolve, right? It, it kind of, they, they use the word hijack, you might hear, and then it just becomes a virus factory and it, you know, produces all the components and then it assembles it and then essentially it bursts, like kind of like an alien movie, right? Like, huh. and then thousands of viruses get released and then they so go. So viruses basically are reproduced and recreated within the cell. Right. And mm-hmm. then the cell explodes. Essentially, yeah. What? That's typically what happens. I'm... <laughs> wow all right yeah having my mind blown here. and yeah I, and it's a exponential growth right like mm-hmm. um one virus can affect one cell and then you know thousands are released and then it just you know it's just yeah it can take off um which and then viruses too are incredibly small incredibly small i think they're like i read a, a stat they're like one hundredth the size of a of your average bacteria and I'm like most you have to have a special uh microscope to even look at them or even look see them virus. yeah because mm. they're incredibly tiny so it's like one little you know yeah and incredibly yeah. harmful it's crazy yeah. Yeah. yeah well so i do you think that we're going to start seeing one of the big things that's a big concern right now is that we're going to start seeing more things like COVID 19 right more right. viruses like it right um well, like, do you think that that like could be coming down the pipeline, or like because they evolve so quickly? Hmm. Like, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I guess you have to have a flu shot every year, right? right? It's because they evolve so quickly. Right. There's different strains out there. Right. Did right. I finish my thought on that? So I, I maybe, maybe I had a thought, and so I'll answer that question. But okay. they were uh, they're saying that this mRNA technology could you be using a cancer treatment? I don't know if I finished that thought. Oh right. Yes. Okay. We'll because get, okay. right they. Um, similar kind of concept, right? That it could um, generate a protein to where it, it would essentially train your body to a, attack a specific type of cancer cell. So, huh. right, it would, um, they would have to find, of course, like the right protein that, right. and a protein that differentiates the cancer cell from your normal living cells. Right. Which could be incredibly hard to do, I'm sure. That sounds super simple. Like, oh, yeah, just find the right protein. Yeah, super yeah. simple. <laughs> but, you know, cancer cells are just your cells that right. kind of go awry. Yeah, go awry, essentially. Yeah, hmm. that's a good way to put it. So the idea is basically they would be able to inject a vaccine into your body that would be able to create right. something specifically that would help your body to identify right. on a cellular level right. the difference between a cancerous cell right. and, and a regular. And, and recognize that it's... Uh, bad, right. essentially. Right. I think, um, and now that mechanism, I, I kind of want, you know, I thought about, I was like, I really could go down the rabbit hole and like, right. it's just crazy to me. Like it, it blows my mind that like we have cells in our body that just kind of like float through our bloodstream mm-hmm. and they can, how they recognize like, Oh, that's not supposed to be there. Right. Right. Like a single, you know, that, it's unbelievable. That's wild. The to body me. is that blows my so mind. like, uh, like 
everything is so perfectly like in right. tune and wired right to be able to help you to continue to live right right yeah it's wild it's crazy i was like how so anyway i might go nerd out some other time <laughs> and be like how does your white blessings like really recognize like hey this is a right. foreign material or this is right. this isn't supposed it's, to be it's here it's not supposed to be here attack it right because you know people have cancer and your body doesn't attack the cancerous cells right, right? so obviously is not recognizing like hey these cells are a problem mm-hmm. you know um which would if that is a successful treatment for cancer that'd be awesome. i mean the only yeah. treatments we have for cancer right now are to like blast like surgically remove mm-hmm. blast with radiation right. or to essentially poison your body right that's what right. that's essentially what chemotherapy is it's right you're you're poisoning yourself to where you won't die but like it'll kill them right it <laughs> like kills, it's yeah it's awful, yeah and but, I, I think that like we're gonna get you know, 50 or 100 years into the future. Right. And we're going to look at that in the same way that we looked at people amputating limbs because they yeah. got shot or right. they got an infection. Right. Yeah. Because we look back on, you know, like the in the 1800s, it was like if you were to get a scratch on your arm and mm-hmm. it got infected, you would go to the doctor and they'd be like, yeah, lock that, just lock right. that thing right off. Right? right. Nothing else that we can do about it. Done. Let's give him an ear nail. Right. right. He's going to be fine. Stick a nail in his ear. That'll help him. Right. right. And we're like, oh, man, they were so stupid back then. Can't believe they didn't realize what they were doing. Like, of course, you can't just lop off somebody. Right. Like, well, what are you going to do? But I know 100 years from now, they're oh. going to look back on the treatments that we give for different things. And they're going to be like, what? They Instead of instead of actually treating or curing it, you would just give them a drug that made it so they didn't feel any pain at all. Mm. Or instead of actually, you know, curing the cancer, or like like you would just you would just cut it out, or you would blast it with radiation. Right. Like radiation. <laughs> That's barbaric. Cancer. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's wild. Um, what was your other question? Sorry. Uh, I don't even remember now. So <laughs> I can't remember what we were even talking about. I don't remember either. So. Um, all that to say, where do you think maybe the pharmaceutical industry is going? Right, like right. it gets it gets bagged on a lot. Um, right. I am frequently, I think, a hater of the pharmaceutical industry mm. because one, I think, is from ignorance. You hate me? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like you. Specifically. <laughs> um, no, one is because I think probably for ignorance. I just yeah. don't know a lot about it, right. and I think that it's demonized at like a, a high level in the media all the time. Right. right, like it's very easy to hate on big pharma. Right, right? and the United States uh, loves businesses growing until they get really big, and then it hates big business. Right, right at the governmental level. Unless you're like Amazon or. Apple. Right, right. Then you love them. Well, there's a lot of there's a there's a there's that's a true. there's a lot of haters. Yeah, right now. that's true. Uh, there's a bunch of calls to to break up Amazon and Apple and Google oh, yeah. and all that. Um, and there's I guess a good argument for that, but yeah. there's also a big argument to break up big pharma right. companies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think uh, those companies are ever going to get broken up? Do you think it would be beneficial for them to be broken up? Um, like for example, you're talking about um, like the Joe Biden basically saying. We could remove the patents for it. Right. Wouldn't that essentially just allow for more competition? Like, uh, do they not have a monopoly on everything right now? Right. So, again, like, I think especially with the COVID vaccine, it's kind of a special case because it was like a special request. Like, right. they people approached Big Pharma and were like, we need you. Right. Because nobody else is going to be able right. to do it. Nobody has the resources. Right. Exactly. And so... That instance, I think, is a little bit different. Um, whether or not they're ever going to be broken up, I think that, I don't know. 
I, I, I honestly don't. I, and that's, I'm not a very great, you know, like you're an e- economics guy. Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. That is like, I do like the money side of things. Like you and biology is like me and economics. You right. know what I mean? Like, like I just, you know, I, Fair enough. I know a little bit about taxes because my dad's an accountant, but that's, right. that's about as far as I got, you know? Fair enough. But, um, do you think there's an argument to be made for breaking them up or do you think their size is beneficial? I don't know. I, I just feel like someone would, repl- I don't know. I always feel like someone replaces them. Hmm. Right. Um, yeah. and so whatever way that looks like, um, I think that they can be, I think they could, where I maybe could see them want to do more. And I think where the pharmaceutical industry is, a one of the big pros I'm going to say is like, they can, really push technology forward. Hmm. I think I've seen that a lot just in my, in my small locally, you know, locally owned pharmacy, like our CEO, she, um, always is all about new technology. Like if it could help us, um, make more safer, faster. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it is, it's really neat just to see the level of technology. And, and, you know, there's, of course, people are going to argue again, you know, automation is like a bad thing, but, uh, and I've seen in the pharmaceutical industry, like, you know, we've touched on, you know, quality and, and cleanly, you know, and one of the biggest risks, risk factors in the making of pharmaceuticals is us, mm. like the human, right? right? We're dirty. We're gross. Yeah. We, we're covered in bacteria. Mm. Right. And it's not, you know, like that's just a normal thing. Right. Like, right. I don't care if you bathe three times a well, day. it's healthy for right. humans. Too. Right. And so we are the, you know, potentially the biggest source of contamination. And so, you know, there's incredible upsides, uh, for, you know, automation and technology. Um, and I think, you know, and just in general in our world, I think we're just going to see a, a more and more drive to technology. Like I think regularly, like, I don't know if my son will even need a driver's license. Hmm. Right. His car will probably drive. We have cars that drive themselves now. Right, right. Like Tesla cars will drive In 15, itself. 16 years? Yeah. Like why not? Yeah. Why would you need a driver? And so. I, Man, that freaks me out. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I'm going to be the guy that's like <laughs> 50 years old and everybody has self-driving cars. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. I ain't gonna be in there. I want to be able to fear the gear shift. That's right. I got my truck. Right. It's got mud on it. 100%. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna have my truck, and I'm gonna be like, you can make my truck electric, whatever. But I want to drive it. Yeah, but I think it, the healthcare industry, pharmaceutical industry, like I think, and it's a good thing. I think to to really kind of lean into that those technological advances, like this mRNA. Like who knows the potential for some of these discoveries, right? And um, I think it'll be very interesting to see like some of the developments. Like I, yeah. I remember in college, like when 3d printing became a thing mm. and, or like kind of hit the mainstream. And then people were like, well, how do we, we could use this to grow people organs. Right. Right. Like, Unbelievable. and, and if we can do that, like the, the chance that uh, your body rejects that organ is slim to none. It's your organ. Right. Right. It's, right. it's from your DNA. It's from, uh, you know, yeah. how that would necessarily work yeah. i don't know but well, it'd be crazy to think about right? yeah and i think that one thing that's very difficult for us to wrap our minds around right now because we are i think as human beings very short-sighted um it's very difficult for us to be able to be like all right 
outside of this very narrow scope that I'm looking right now. Right. It's difficult for us to be able to see all of the incredible impacts that things are happening right now are going to are going to have for the future. Right. right? And I think that we as as human beings will look back on the year of 2020. Right. And uh, you know, the people that lived through it will be like, "Yeah, that sucked really bad." Yeah. Right. But the amount of new technology that was right. be, that was created and implemented as a result of the research that was done in order to be able to solve and stop this gigantic right. yeah. global pandemic is going to have far-reaching consequences for decades and decades. Right. And I think it's difficult for us to recognize that and see that, you know? Right. Like, when you think about all of incredi- the incredibly tumultuous periods throughout the history of the world, oftentimes tumultuous periods bring about incredible advancements in technology oh, yeah. and incredible advancements in, you know, kind of pushing the human race forward, right? right? You think about like mm-hmm. World War II. Right. The amount of advancements in technology during World War II is unbelievable, you mm-hmm. know? Like rockets. Right. World War II. Right. Like the like he- large heavy machinery. Right. Right. The amount of uh, it, it's incredible. Right. And the speed to which you could make those, right? right. The assembly right. line. That was right. World War II. Not right. World War, I was well, no, it was before that. World War Yeah, that was Henry Ford. Yeah. That was early 1900s. But, I mean, it was I, it was being implemented throughout them, but it was, right. I think, in a lot of ways kind of perfected during World War II. Right, exactly, yeah. Um, and it's incredible because, you know, you think about where the United States, where the world as a whole has come from since the last global pandemic happened, or a really large pandemic happened, that would be in swine flu, mm-hmm. more than likely. Um, I remember in, swine flu. Or not swine flu. I didn't mean <laughs> to say swine flu. avian flu? Um, no, the Spanish flu. Spanish flu. Okay, in the 1918. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Is it called, was it the Spanish flu? All right. Well, that shows you how much I know about viruses. So, um, (laughs) but when you think about that, like, you know, that was about a hundred years ago, Mm -hmm. right? What they had. 1918. 1918. Spanish flu. Spanish flu. You were on it. I was right. All right. See, I read the newspaper. So the, the technology that they had to deal with that then was so minuscule. It was so small. And if you think about if there was something like the coronavirus. Yeah, 50 million deaths. Yeah, unbelievable. Is that global or is that in the United States? I believe that's There's no way. That's, I was going to say there's no way that was in the United yeah. States. Um, so uh, the, amount, the amount of technology that we have now to be able to mm. – the fact that we were able to develop in one year something yeah. that would essentially right. you know, ethically defeat the vaccine right. or, or de- defeat the virus, I mean to say, is unbelievable. Right. Absolutely. It's crazy. Um, and I wonder like – coming out of 2020 hmm. like with this new technology and this research that we have like what is that going to lead to right right like are we going to have to worry about a lot more viruses in the future because we're going to i mean of course we will but right well and, you know a lot of people are speculating that it'll revolutionize the vaccine game right 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 that, you know the reason why you get a flu shot every year is because it's a, a committee of people's best guess at what flu strains are going to be the most prevalent and then they try and make a vaccine effective against those. And then a lot of the times, like I, I feel like at best it's like 50% effective. Right. 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 Like at that point I'm taking my coin toss chance yeah. at not getting it. Right. You know, which is 
really funny. Just a sign that like look up the efficacy rate of normal flu vaccines. What's the averages? Yeah, yeah. What's the average? Efficacy I'm probably going to be way flu? off. I'm probably crapping on the flu virus. <laughs> like they're normally eighty I mean, percent like, effective. You know, well, like you think about the the virus, the uh, fi- the Pfizer vaccine. Right. I believe it has like a ninety six percent efficacy rate, ninety three percent efficacy right. rate, and that's a transmission. I think from serious death and disease, it's even higher. That's unbelievable. Right. right. What. Right. And I, yeah. And like I said, they think it's going to, you know, revolutionize some of these vaccines that maybe we even have to get regularly. Mm. Regularly. Uh, I, I'm struggling with the LYs <laughs> or something tonight. They're I tough, man. I know. Tough. But, um, or, you know, like, what if it, what if we get a cure for cancer out of this? Right. Right. What if this, like these cancer, I don't know, the cancer developments and they're like, hey, we can, we can design so an average it's 40% less than 50. Daggum. Garbage. Garbage. <laughs> we have a debate, and it's really funny. I have a group of people I eat lunch with, and we had a, an intern who was a medical student. And uh, he always was like, he was like, did you all get your flu shot? And he was like, none of us did. Yeah. No, he went around. Like, we went, oh, he's like, did you, did you, did you? I never get a he flu shot. He was like, what are y'all doing? And we're like, bro, like, <laughs> no. And, you know, most of us were like, if we got the flu shot, we still got the flu. Right. So what was the point? Right. <laughs> so the only time that I've ever had the flu, it was after I got my only flu shot. That right. could be incredibly anecdotal and coincidental. Right. Same. Right. I got it all the way up until uh, college. And then when mom didn't make me get it, I never got it. And right. then I got it like one year when I was out of college and I got the flu. And I was yeah. like, God, yeah, <laughs> I, knew I shouldn't have gotten it. Not doing it anymore. <laughs> um, but then too, like I think, and part of me wants to say we'll never not have big pharma. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's the same companies, but like you know, I think of uh, I think it was on Shark Tank where the guy where it was it wasn't called Ring Doorbell, but the guy who invented Ring Doorbell went on Shark Tank. And it had some garbage name. I, I yeah. really remember it was really dumb. And they like laughed. They like yeah. didn't want it. And it is a huge thing now. Oh yeah, right. So like everybody, everybody who, has. You know, name. who's to say that you know a company doesn't develop this? That's not big, big pharma now, right? Develops this in revolutionary technology, right? And then it's incredibly successful. And then boom, they are now big pharma. You know, yeah. so like, are we ever going to be without them? I don't know. Probably not, because. Mm-hmm. You know, if the second someone has a great idea and it's successful, right, right they're going to kill it, you mm-hmm. know, um, especially if they have the rights to their technology, which yeah. could be an argument. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not yeah. trying to <laughs> say one way or the other, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, uh, so I remember I brought up my devil's advocate. So I had a genetics professor in college. You, you ever watched The Incredibles, uh, the movie? Of course. You well, remember, you know, Edna Mode? Yeah. I'm not going to try and do the accent. Edna. I'll probably offend somebody. But my genetics professor was like a human version of Edna Mode. Like, no joke. Like, wow. short, the hair. The hair, everything. Like, everything. Even, awesome. even the accent was right. probably a little on point. And she would she would just give us, like, kind of controversial statements or questions mm-hmm. to kind of, like, every so often just to, like, poke our brains. Yeah. And she uh, said, she goes, you know, a lot of some people think that our modern healthcare and pharmaceutical industry has inhibited the evolution of human beings. Hmm. And she, she was like, should we get rid of it and just go back to natural selection? Right. Total She's natural, like, totally natural selection. And the, you know, like if someone, if you think about it, right, we allow like essentially bad genes 
to propagate, right? Mm-hmm. Like people can live longer that maybe wouldn't and they can pass on problems, you know? Mm. So it's a very interesting question, it's right? An like, ethical question. Right. Like, right. Like ethically, where do you get to, where do you, where do you say, all right, uh, it, it, you, you want to be able to see the furtherance of somebody's life right. at the expense of the human race as a whole. Right. It's kind of, I guess, where the question right. comes down. Exactly. That is an interesting question right. to think about. And you know what it makes me think about a lot is um, the the altering of genes yeah. to be able to create yeah. the perfect superhuman because they're doing that oh. right now. They're doing that with, um, oh, what's it called? Why can I not think of the name of it? Starts with I feel like it starts with a C. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, I'll think of it in a second. But basically they're going through and they're figuring out different genes that they can specifically alter right. to be able to, you know, create a, a, a person exactly in the way that they want to be able to create right. that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and countries are obviously investing heavily in it. One of those countries is China. Oh, yeah. And that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. That scares me so much. One, especially because, you know, China, do you remember... Um, the Body Worlds exhibit. Did you ever hear about that? I don't think so. So it was this, ex- and we uh, in college went to down to Atlanta and it traveled around the U.S. and it was very controversial. Um, it was this. Ex- it would go around museums yeah. and it was, um, and we took it for anatomy because it was bodies that were plasticized. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't. So they essentially would inject, I guess, this plastic-like substance into bodies that were, and this is the controversy came was like, these bodies were donated for science and they came out of China, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of questions of like, were they really donated right. for science? Oof. But then, you know, it would be like, it allowed, it was like actual humans, right? right. And they would have like different organ systems on display. And they were like, yeah. And it looked like plastic, but it was a real body. Right. right? And they, you know, they even had like, you know, the fetal development and they would have different stages. And so, you know, that was, of course, controversial. Right. right. um, But all that to say, like, China doesn't have an FDA, right? Right. Like, they don't give a crap. They will, they won't, they want to test on people. They'll they'll do it. Test on who they want. Yeah. Right. And like, the idea and the thought of, a government, especially if it has malicious intentions, right, going in and and tweaking and changing, and it's like yeah. there's a difference between, uh, and and it seems I guess maybe less sinister at first, right? When right. you're like, all right, I want my baby to have blue eyes, mm. so you go in, you're like, I'm gonna tweak, I'm gonna tweak mm-hmm. the gene, I'm gonna give it a little turn that dial just a little bit, and I'm gonna mm. give my baby blue eyes, mm. right? It's like, oh well, that's not that bad. Who cares if you want your baby to have blue eyes, right? right? Or it's like, I want my baby to have curly hair, right? And you can go in, tweak that thing. What if it's, I want my baby to have super intelligence? Mm. Like, what if it's, I want my baby to have um, uh, incredible fast, you know, fast twitch mm. five muscle fibers? Mm-hmm. Like, what if it's, I want to be able to create uh, a baby, a human being mm. that is going to have the physical stature and ability of LeBron James mm. and the mental, the mental capacity of, you know, chess grandmaster Magnus Carlson. Right. right? And then you can create, you can go in before that baby is even, even comes out of the wound when it's in its embryonic state Mm. and go in and just turn those dials. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, it's not as straightforward necessarily as going in and like turning a dial, right? Your genes and and their expression a lot. I mean, there has to be a lot of environment that shapes, you know, how a lot of those things develop too. Um, and so 
would be an even scarier thought, right? It would be, okay, I want, I want an army of people right. that are more prone to, or more docile, or like more prone to instruction. Like they mm-hmm. won't fight. Like, I, you know, right. like, like I'm a Star right. Wars nerd. And so like, or, like order 66, but like theoretically, right. It, you know, and maybe some, you know, some scientists could DM you and be like, this guy's an idiot, but, <laughs> and maybe, but you no, know, who's to say, to right. That, that you can, you could tweak someone's genes and their, and their, that would affect their brain development or their brain chemistry to make them more prone to suggestion. Right. And then, you know, far more easy to brainwash and then you just have your little, and then you could literally tell them to do anything and they will right. do it. Right. Right. And that's, that's scary. It is. It's incredibly Orwellian. Right. You know? Right. Um, it's very brave new world. Right. You know? But then there's, there's pros, right? Like what if you could cure down syndrome? Right. Like who wouldn't, you know, I don't know, maybe I don't have a child with right. down syndrome, but right. like if you had the choice to, for your child to have a normal life, you right. know, or like cure all of these things that, right. that occur that are genetic, right. Uh, that happens at a genetic level, you know, while the baby exactly. is developing. Yeah. Like what if you can go in and, and make sure that that child, uh, doesn't, you know, isn't born with specific hereditary diseases. Exactly. What if, you yeah. know, because there's a hereditary proclivity towards alcoholism yeah. or a hereditary proclivity towards, um, you know, or, you know, whatever it may be, you go in and you're like, all right, well, we can fix that. Right. You know, like, mm. is that okay? Right. Right. Like where does the gene mm. altering stop? Right. You know? Yeah. And what tough. point are you, uh, when, and everything, you know, it's important to remember too, like, everything has a trade off. Right. Mm. So like, you know, you could try and make someone super intelligent, but far often than not, like those people are very socially, Mm -hmm. they lack social skills. Mm. Right. And so, you know, you can, you can twist the dials all you want, but you don't necessarily know. I mean, you know, humans are incredibly DNA. Right. It's incredibly incredibly complex. complex. And so, you know, changing one thing, you know, you might, might give you a pro here, but it's more than likely going to give you a con somewhere else. Right. Until right? you have an AI figuring it out. Right. Maybe. Until you have. Or the AI you have, <laughs> becomes, you know, gives itself a body right. or something. Then we, then we get into <laughs> iRobot. Right? There we go. <laughs> then Terminator. And then we're Terminator just. And then we're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe we're a couple years down the road. I don't hey, know. you know what? I'll name my next son Sean Connor so that we just, we're, we've got some built-in security. Right, you know? right. <laughs> Next son, do you have something to tell us? No, no. I won't. No, because I said that, I want to have the rest of them with girls, know. you know? <laughs> Which would be fun. Like, yeah, I, you of know. Of course, of course. It'd be great. Well, yeah, because you, you are a new dad, for those that don't know. Yeah. Oh, Jeet, he's a new dad. He's got a, how old is baby Jeet? He and is. And you have to say his name out loud, so that way everybody understands the gravity. Right. He is James Truett Bridgingham the fourth. The fourth. The fourth. That's Man, that is a serious name right there. I know. James Truett Brittingham the fourth. I know. He's, he's got to grow up and do something big. I know. You can't have a name like that. Or at least scrub. move to England and get right. knighted or something, right? So you can add like Sir and then right. I don't know, be a Duke or right. something. <laughs> I don't even know if that's possible. <laughs> I don't know. We'll I'm Game not, of Thrones some stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not uh, super well-versed in uh, British politics, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I know a little thing or two about American oh, yeah. politics. We'll trace my heritage back. I'm thinking I'm, yeah. I'm British somewhere down yeah, the line. Somewhere, so, I'm sure. Yeah. All of us are a mix yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, so new dad. New How dad. was it having a kid? So my dad asked me 
we were at a baseball game, just me and him. And he was like, uh, what has like fatherhood been like what you thought it was like, mm-hmm. what, like, what are your thoughts, I guess, essentially on it. And it's like hard to put into words because like he, he very honestly and truly like brings me more like a unique and joy that like I can't describe. Hmm. Like I, if I could, and I kind of could at this point, I don't want to get too political, but uh, like get paid to stay at home and yeah. just like make him laugh and smile all day. I would do it. Yeah. And like, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I love my job. Like that's not, a, I'm not crapping yeah. on my work. Uh, and that's been like a weird, like uh, the, the whole like pregnancy process. Which was totally different for y'all. Right. Because exactly. it was through because the pandemic. Could, which a lot harder on my wife. Right. Let's say that way well, up front. It always is. Right. Way up front. <laughs> like, yeah, the preg- I, I talk about the pregnancy process. Like I had anything to do. <laughs> right. Like I, and I did not. I, did I will fully acknowledge that. I, right? <laughs> I tried to she keep baked the cake. <laughs> I tried to make her as happy as she and comfortable as possible. That's yeah. about we'll the best Mariana I could do. If that's true. That's right. <laughs> Joe, yeah, she probably, <laughs> we might need a therapist. She no, might I'm disagree with that. But I mean, yeah, it was like we, um, uh, we did, we like found out like we had to, and it was hard because we, we knew we were pregnant and we were trying to like, you know, and this is right when, so we found out in March. Mm-hmm. So right when, and like we found out and then. Two weeks to slow the spread. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And then here we are. Right. And then, right. um. But it was, we found out and we were trying to plan and, and go, you know, states were varying states were different states of people can come, people can't come. Mm-hmm. And we were desperately wanting to go up to Virgi- my wife's family's in Virginia. And, um, like, right. We were trying to like plan that trip. And then like right before is like Virginia just shut down yeah. and, and her parents are like, Hey, like I know y'all were trying to come up and see us. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so we had to tell both of our sets of parents over FaceTime. Yeah. Which was, it That's was a bummer. Man. Yeah, it is. It is a bummer. I mean, it, it is. Thank, it thank is, God but... for technology. Right? right. Thank, thank, thank God we have like something where we can have like see our parents across essentially the cross the country. Cause right. I mean, they're in border in the Northeast and we're down right. here, you know, at least six hours away from right. by car. So, um, that we can in real time, like talk to them, see their face. Like, you know, of course they cried, yeah. and, you yeah. know? And so, but then, uh, you know, we had to do, we found out the gender, uh, and had to do a gender reveal over, mm-hmm. you know, Skype, FaceTime, or like the a gender Zoom. reveal things, I do not understand. Well, we were never gonna that. do like, you know, we're never go gonna outside have... and pop the balloons and yeah, have a big party. No. and try to burn I mean, out maybe half of have like a cake with some like blue <laughs> icing or something right, in the right, middle, right. you know? Um, which had a buddy. <laughs> he, uh, his daughter was um, actually due on the same day as uh, James, and um, their gender reveal. He's a big gun enthusiast, and he mm-hmm. was he was in the the guard for a while, but then their gender reveal. He had a I don't know what kind of rifle it was, but then they had some sort of something. He shot it and went yeah, and like a bunch of oh, yeah. I hit the mic. Oh, that didn't do anything. Um, <laughs> like a bunch of pink smoke for their daughter. Right, and I was right, like, right. Classic. But <laughs> uh, that right there, you know, you're in the south. Wind. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's your someone's on a tree reveal. stump with a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you <laughs> Um, but then, you know, and, uh, and it's, 
it's been, and then obviously we were incredibly thankful that, um, when we had James, like, uh, the hospitals kind of loosened their visit, visiting rules. Mm. So, um, we were allowed to have, um, after 24 hours, we were allowed to have two guests at a time, technically three, but the husband counted as a guest. Wow. So, yeah. um, which, uh, pre that time, like we had some friends like a couple months before have babies. Um, and like the, the husband had to go into the hospital with the wife, like couldn't like go park the, drop her off, park the car and come mm. back. They had to enter the hospital at this same exact time. And he literally could not leave anywhere to go anywhere. That is wild. I like, could not leave the room unless she went with them. And like, you know, there's a whole lot of regulations on that. And then, so thankfully like those loosened, right? So we, I was able to park the car, <laughs> right? you know, but like, that's hard. Like essentially you'd have to get someone to drive you. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, babies don't, you know, they don't send you a little, yeah, uh, they don't send you a text. Yeah, like, they don't hey, send you a calendar invite <laughs> saying, Hey, I'm coming 9 a.m. this Friday. Right. Mark your, right. you know, we'll give you an hour alert, you know, yeah. and then a second alert 30 minutes before. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, so I mean, like, even little things like that are like a blessing in all, in yeah. all honesty. And, um, we were able 24 hours later to have two guests. So our parents and they, um, the visiting hours like eight to 12. Mm. And so they came for like about an hour and a half each set of parents. And then, yeah. so that was really awesome that yeah. they could just come see him and us in the hospital. And then, but it's been, uh, I know we've talked like not on the pod. It's been, it's been weird. So I've, I've always worked in the office. I've mm. not, not, I've never worked from home. Um, which is had even through the pandemic, even through the pandemic. Right. And, you know, we make essential drugs that people need, right? Like people don't stop getting sick because, or, I mean, there's a pandemic, right? People are sick, but, um, but then people don't stop having their normal issues. Right. So, I mean, uh, we're essential. So we were, we were working. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it, it had its pros and cons. Like it, it honestly helped the whole pandemic fuel, more normal than most people experienced hmm. because like I would, you know, I still went into work. I saw my coworkers right. and, right. you know, I still had like my, my Monday through Friday schedule was very much, you know, unchanged. Right. Cause I mean, that's the majority of what I do. Right. It's like work eight hours, come home and see my wife eat. And, right. um, and so that was, I mean, that was a pro I, I, I ended up seeing, seeing that as a pro, right. Like, um, and then cons, I mean like, you know, we had cases of COVID, obviously, because right. I mean, where didn't? Right. And um, and so we had our, you know, fair share. Like the guy, you know, and it, it became frustrating because like I had a the guy doesn't work anymore um, with us, but I had a guy that shared a cubicle with me, and he literally sat probably eh, probably even a little bit closer than me and you are right now because I could I could literally like reach out and touch touch him. Yeah. Um, and he got COVID. And like, that was probably the biggest scare I had. Hmm. Um, because you know, I, when I was at my desk, I just like, wouldn't wear my mask. Right. And, you know, people can poo poo on that if they right. want. But, um, but then, you know, anywhere walking around anywhere else, wearing my mask, you know, yeah. but, and then found out later from a, co- I think after he left, uh, he like quit. Um, but then I had a coworker tell me, he was like, Oh yeah, he was like meeting up with women from like online dating sites from like, different areas of the right. state and stuff. And I was like, are you, what? <laughs> I was like, what are you, what do you mean? 
I was so that's so mad, like, especially because you're sitting there. You got a pregnant wife at home. You have right. no idea how coronavirus yeah. is going to affect any of that because yeah. everyone's so new. Yeah, and this dude's out gallivanting around. Yeah, meeting up with random women. That is like not going down to like the local five points, right? Like. Right. Going, uh, he met girls in like Charleston, just like, random the, people. Yeah, just that's r- unbelievable. Completely random. Yeah. Well, so and that, that is one so thing mad. that's been fascinating <laughs> is like talking to people and hearing the dramatically different experiences oh, yeah. that everybody had. Yeah. Like there are some people that were going into work every single day. Right. Like their life for the most part didn't really change. Right. You know. And then you talk to other people that like maybe didn't care about it at all. Like right. oh, I don't believe any of this is true. Like it's not going to affect me. I don't really care. And then other people that were like I heard last march that um in march of 2020 that all this was going on and i have not left my house since yeah you know oh yeah it's it's the amount like it's so incredibly vast the differences yeah um and and it's i mean some of it i think has to do with just misinformation yeah uh but a lot of it has to do with the fact that like it just goes to show that like every human being is just going to do what they want right yeah and it's been like and then now that my son is here it's been harder, right? Like I got my like yeah. two weeks that I took um, to like be home and help Mary. And mm. uh, you know, Biden's trying to change that. Huh? He's, Biden's trying to change that. He's the trying what? to make it mandatory uh, paternal and maternal leave of I think up to six weeks. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the paternal, uh, the maternal definitely. Oh, like yeah. to be honest, like if I'm I'm pretty shocked that there are places that don't have maternal. And then, like, to be honest, the the vast majority of people that I know, their company at least offers, like, a week of paternal leave. Yeah. You know, like, some sort of something. Yeah. Right? So, I think that's uh, becoming more commonplace. But I don't... It'd be interesting to see if, because people are working from home, like, if that is really going to become a sticking point for some people. Because Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. like, you know... And I think that's been hard for me. Is that like I have friends that work from home that uh, we've you know we have a lot of friends that have babies close mm-hmm. to close to yep. the same age as we're James like age. yeah <laughs> right. right right so like they were like a couple weeks before a couple weeks after which has been a lot of fun and then most of those dads have been working from home right. and so they get to I mean even if they're working in like an office somewhere they can you know pop out of their, their yeah pop out of their lunch right. break take a ten, you know ten minute little siesta you know and mm-hmm. go get a snack and you know, tickle their son. And, right. um, and I've been like very envious of that because yeah. I think, um, but then I like remind myself, I'm like, I'm living normally. Right. 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 Like or my what, friends, at least what used to be right, normal. My friends more than likely will end up like back in the office one day. Yeah. More than likely. More than likely. Um, yeah. Or at least like back in the office more than they are now. Yeah. Um, and so like, I just have to kind of remind myself and, uh, that like, okay, like they're going to be in for the rude awakening right here shortly. And, and my uh, life is just, right. this has just always sucked for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to suck for them eventually. Right. But right now it's just me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, you know, of course I'd be lying if I say it wasn't hard to like, yeah, yeah. and be, and want that time. But, um, just but then no also else. incredibly blessed. Like right. I've been thankful that I have a job in the field that I do hmm. because, you know, I think like we talked about, like everyone's always going to need medication, right. you know, medicine. That's a fact. Like, and so that's not going anywhere. So incredibly thankful that I had a job. Yeah. And that it pays well. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. You know, like I'm not 
uh, hurting by any means. Right. So, right. Um, and so, uh, it's a beautiful thing for sure. It's yeah. a huge blessing. I know. Which what? like, I'm one of those, I know you talk about in your podcast, like I didn't need that stimulus. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. like I've literally never left the office. Right. So, right. um, in terms of, uh, the work day. And yeah. so, um, did we use it? Like you said, to pay off some debt. Of bet course. you we did. Right. That's what most <laughs> you people bet did. You we did. That's what most people did. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Word. Well, um, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, man. Um, this has been awesome. Dude, I'm super glad you got to come on. I, I think know. you had some really awesome insight around, yeah. I think, an industry that's incredibly misunderstood, yeah. um, but also probably due to ignorance. You know, yeah. um, there's not a lot of people that. Uh, I think that are kind of educated, especially in the manufacturing right. side of pharmaceuticals. Right. So insight was definitely yeah. much appreciated. Very I think a big takeaway sure. too for people is like uh, the vast majority of like doctors, pharmacists, people, even in the manufacturing side, like they don't do this uh, because they don't care for people. Like, mm. you know, especially like doctors, pharma- pharmacists, right. they don't go to like eight plus years of school and residency to like not, and then not care. Right. right. I right. mean, I mean, some obviously do like, there's going to be exceptions, there's but like, be, yeah, especially at the beginning, they like, like, there's, of course they care. Right. Like you don't subject yourself to that and hate it. You know mm. what I mean? Like, right. right. Uh, I, of course maybe that's, I'm a glass half full silver lining yeah. kind of guy, Optimist. but <laughs> I, you know, like I, I'm thankful that, I I was brought back into the medical field through my experiences. Like right, I I wanted to be in medicine. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to care for people, mm-hmm. right? And you know I was kind of thrown a wrench when I was told like, hey, like you're not going, you're not going to be able to go to med school and do that. Yeah. And then to be brought back to medicine, but in a different way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. still be able to kind of feel and live out that calling of like, I can care for people. I can make sure that what they take or like what is put into their bodies is going to be effective. It's going to be safe. It's going to do what it's supposed to do Mm. and they can, you know, so it's been cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's why we do it, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate you. All right. Thank Thanks you for having me for on. Coming on. I'd Absolutely. come back. We can do like a nerd podcast and yeah. I'll, we'll nerd out we'll on some out, stuff. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, appreciate you a ton. Yeah. Um, I guess we can go ahead and roll it off there. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Split the Difference podcast, written, recorded, and hosted by Austin Taylor. If you're interested in getting in touch with me on Instagram, you can find me at Split the Difference Podcast. I'm on Facebook and YouTube at Split the Difference and on my website at splitthedifference.com. Production for the intro and outro music done by Rosewood Records Recording Studio. If you're interested in booking or learning more about them, you can reach them on Facebook or Instagram at Rosewood Records SC or on their website, www.rosewoodrecordssc.com.